Blog Talk Radio. On a mountain, in a valley, I behold only God. In ease, in hardship, oh my gosh, I just blew that. Excuse me. That's what live does. On a mountain, in a valley, I behold only God. In ease and well-being, I behold only God. In hardship, I'm not going to say it today. I can't get it for some reason, Bob, and I apologize. My mind has <laughs> has done the freeze on it, something I've been saying forever. So I think I should probably just say good morning. This is Mara, and this is Bob, and welcome to You Are Okay. And, Bob, you can introduce yourself, too, since I just did. Talk about a flub. How funny. <laughs> good morning. You know, I actually mistakenly went to a went to the prior episode and started playing when I went to the, I, I hit the wrong thing on the uh, switchboard or something. And it, and you always open that way. And I listened to that part all the way through and said, okay, I don't really need to listen anymore. Plus we needed yeah, to start this one. So it was kind of interesting that I heard it once already and that you started and And I guess it just didn't need to be said today. If anyone needs to hear that, I- you can... You can check any other any other podcast. <laughs> I know. How amazing is that? I mean, I could say it now, but I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> but how amazing is that? That I guess you're right. It doesn't need to be said. You know what's so funny about that um, is yesterday when I was putting in the filler, you know, we had put in the heading last week when we decided we were going to talk about the idea that there is enough God. You know, we don't need to be fighting over God. But um, when I put in the filler, when I, uh, the words, folks, the words describing what we were going to be talking about, the, um, and you get points. I don't know if any of you know that, but we get points for how much we may, how we may attract, not like we, we're going to get a prize, but it starts moving up this calendar. And when you've reached 100 or this, this graph, and when you reach 100%, it means that you have got a program there that should be attracting a million people. I mean, some sort of scientific evaluation is going on. So put that in the hands of, of science. We're going to put ours in the hands of God. We believe exactly the right people are listening who need to hear what we're saying. But anyway, I'm putting it in yesterday, and suddenly the number goes all the way back to 40. And I know what that means. It means I've said too much. And yet just a moment before, it had said I was under. So I'm trying to calculate it. So I decided, I don't understand this new system of doing all this, you know, evaluation. Let me get some help. So I pressed help and erased everything. So I decided, just as I said a moment ago, (laughs) I decided (laughs) maybe I should just start over. And that's what we're going to do today. We're not going to hear uh, Rabia the Mistakes uh, statement, but I think it's so apropos today because uh, definitely God is everywhere, is everything, and is around us. Uh, And God does not create trash. So all of us are important and valuable beings, too. so anyway, this has been uh, a weekend of starting over in expressing words. And I know, Bob, um, you have uh, had a dynamic uh, week, too, taking care of Micah and learning to respect uh, his right to be Micah and make his own decisions when you want to keep him and safe and healthy for yourself. And I understand that. 
because I've had the same week. I live in California. Uh, probably we should talk about where we live at some point, Bob, so I'll do mine. I live in California. My children are flung across uh, the United States, and my oldest daughter's in Wisconsin. And so on Monday, she had surgery, following which she went into the intensive care unit. And I was dying because I had wanted to go be with her during the surgery. And she'd said, oh, no, 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 Mom, it's not a big deal. She's having what's called a vagal nerve stimulator inserted. You can come when I am, um, when they turn this thing on in six months. Now, on last Saturday, I questioned whether that was a good idea because, of course, I want to be in control and protect her rather than letting her decide what kind of protection she needs. <laughs> you know? So I call and I say, I really want to come. And she says, no, 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 Mom. So I didn't go. And then I hear she's in the intensive care unit. I about died. Because, of course, I was not large and in charge. And I think in large part, that may be what this program is about. So I... Um, I've had uh, the same kind of week of learning the lesson to allow someone else to decide what protection they need. Being so about where are you? Yeah. I'm in Austin. <laughs> I'm in Austin. I've, I've actually been in Austin for the longest run probably ever. <laughs> Since I travel, travel so much for work, right? But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm changed in the recent past, so I'm on 10 weeks with uh, one overnight outside of the house, so that's a lot different for me. The yes. interesting that, you know, it, it allows you to, to explore things that, and do, do some things that I that don't do because you're out, well, always working and on the road, so it's been good to... Uh, it takes some time to do some do some cooking and experimenting and yesterday was a good experiment. Uh, you you know I'm chopped. They never they always tell people, you know, don't make the ice cream because it's gonna take you know, it's it's too hard to to figure yeah. out. So so I got so part of what, you know, one of the things I did the other day is order tonight the ice cream maker attachment for the KitchenAid appliance. <laughs> Ooh, ooh la la. So, so I've sort of been experimenting. And, yes. you know, I think this is, uh, kind of goes along with, with our topic of putting dogma aside. <laughs> yes. I'm not, one to, I'm, not, I'm not a good one to follow, uh, to follow a recipe. I love to read recipes. I love to read cookbooks, read things online. But... Very, very. With baking, I, I usually don't deviate uh, as much. But my, the first batch, um, I followed to the T. Yes. So there's something new for me. I'm going to follow this to the T, and it came out. It was ice, not really ice cream. <laughs> oh, okay. Second, second, second batch came out. It was really good. It was really good. So then I wrote a few a few more recipes and came up with a came up with another, and that one I followed that one I followed pretty much to the T. And I thought, okay, I'm doing good. I'll throw these recipes, throw this dogma out, and I'm going to try uh, try it my way. And it called for using ricotta cheese. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so as soon as I put this into the maker, it starts. The, the maker of the machine thing just starts going.
going crazy, like bang, 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 and it just can't move because it's the batter, if you will, yeah. started freezing up in the machine immediately. As soon as you put it in, it just froze. Oh, and, you know, oh. I kind of just took that and uh, let, it, let it thaw out a little bit and turned it on and did my own thing with it. And uh, it really tastes more like a cherry ricotta filling for a cannoli. <laughs> okay, there you go. Now, are you letting your product be at room temperature before you put it in your ice cream maker? They're saying not, that's what the recipes say not to, to have it cold. Oh, that's so, interesting. Okay. I don't know. So you know, what, I, you know then I'm you not going to try that. I just threw in some together this morning to to make for today because it is National Ice Cream Day today. Also, oh, my gosh. So. I, I, gee, <laughs> good to know. <laughs> I did not know that. It's, so I must have today I yesterday. Some, <laughs> today I used some milk, some different different milk right. products, and we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay, well, but I'm sure it's going to be great. Like, right? We 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 get told how to do how we're supposed yes. to think about God and how we're supposed to think about uh, yes. spirituality by you know from from the time you're you're a child. Yes. Sometimes it goes the same way, and then and then there's you know so many families where there's mixed religions, and then then the poor kid really doesn't know what to do because you know the preacher wears a dress in one one uh, ceremony, and uh, and then another they're throwing the other uh, the other religion under the bus and saying that they're not worthy. So it uh yeah. it creates this whole. Uh, dynamic I think with kids and uh starting in childhood and not and, and asking and I think that might be why we find that there's so many people that don't go to church today that that say they don't belong to a religion and say that, that they're spiritual because they can't take the dogma just like I can't follow a recipe I have to do it my way. You know, that's that's such a good statement. I can remember when I was knee-high to a grasshopper, and I always wondered why I was spending, I spent so much time in West Virginia with my grandma and grandpa, and yesterday I kind of had an epiphany, and I think I know why. But putting that reason aside, that was like one of the most wonderful experiences for me to the security of being with my grandma and grandpa and, you know, getting my hair put up in these bristly rollers uh, for church because my hair <laughs> does not hold girl. But what was really significant in this regard is my grandma had people we did not talk to. Now, this is a community where if you're driving down the street in one of, in, in West Virginia, down the highway, I mean, it's two sides of the road. And on one side of the road, and I'm not going to mention the community because my family still lives there, but on the on one side of the road is the Methodist Church, and we were Methodists. Now, the Methodist Church, is, in my experience, is not a real judgmental religion. I, I certainly, when I kind of walked away from it, I got to, I was a little bit tired of the judgment from the pulpit. But that was uh, an interesting, I was going to a Bible Belt church. And 
so, but maybe the reason it was didn't appear so judgmental is my grandma did all the judgment beforehand, and <laughs> across <laughs> across the street was what my grandma called the holy rollers. And folks, if if, if this is your faith, please don't think I I you would use this word. I'm just describing experience, which when I grew old enough to read was Pentecost, and so mm-hmm. we were. You know, we were not to go into the Pente- the Holy Roller Church, the Pentecost Church, and uh, there was something wrong with the people in the Pentecost Church. Now, you know, at that point, I was very vulnerable to listening. Uh, I've always kind of had another a foot on the other side. It never really let go. And uh, so I was real vulnerable to all of the hell and damnation judgments that were going on around me. And my grandma was just adamant, I mean, just adamant about these facts and, and how it was very important. And so it turns out that across this, that on our side of the street, the Methodist side, there was a family. Now, folks, you're not going to believe this is how far this went. But but it's scary because it reminds me of what happened in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Although certainly my grandpa and grandma weren't taking out guns or something. And my grandpa, by the way, never said any of this. And my grandpa was a healer, uh, a faith healer. I mentioned that last week. And he didn't care what side of the road you lived on, okay? But we're talking grandma here. So the house that was kitty corner to my grandma and grandpa's was, God bless those people, occupied by members of the Holy Roller Church. And I was not supposed to talk to their kids. Now, is that a good example of judgment, folks? Does that feel like going on? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. Not allowed to talk to them because they practice their faith a little bit different than than you did. They weren't allowed. They weren't allowed to shoot with their arms or cut their hair or some. Yeah. It all usually comes down to a few verses in the Bible, right? That people have mm-hmm. translated mm-hmm. into or taken to heart more than some other religion, and they keep their head covered, for example, or they don't dance, or they do dance, or they <laughs> or they yes, communion. Yes with wine versus grape juice or, you know, and, and at the end of the day, they're still, they're still reading the same, the same book, talking about the same God, but. Yeah. And they're people, but, they're human beings. But, but making, but putting into place dogma around something that really, for some reason was so important to the founder of that faith. <laughs> yes. So, and, and it, it's always fascinating to me that it's just so that we bicker over the stupidest things. And at the end of yeah. the day, it doesn't really matter how long your hair is or how long or whether your skirt was too high or too low to go to church. I mean, there's some things with, to say about indecency, right? But but we but we've created that too. <laughs> right, we do. I mean, what even what is decent, we create. Exactly. Right. So we don't need to watch Naked and Afraid on TV. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did see that on your TV. <laughs> yeah. you know, one time, it was like, oh, my gosh. That was, like, amazing. 
folks, if you want to talk or join us in this dialogue, please do. It's 646-595-3584. We're talking today about the fact that there's enough God to go around, and God does not care what book we choose to worship him from. Uh, just about every faith, by the way, uses uh, some version of the uh, of the Bible, which is a combination of both the Old and New Testament. The Old Testament seems to be at the core of many um, Western faiths. Uh, many Eastern faiths uh, tend to be less religions and more philosophies of life, Confucianism, Taoism, uh, Buddhism. But they uh, also come from a core belief that very much mirrors what is in the Old Testament, and significantly, there is a belief that the missing, uh, what was it, Jesus was seen, wasn't was seen after he was 12 and was next seen when he was 32, that he was gone because he was traveling amongst the Eastern mystics. Um, there's a book out there called Essa, E-S-S-A, that's what he was known in, in those uh, arenas, and that's why Amazingly, there is a similarity also uh, between uh, the Eastern faiths and the uh, Western uh, existing faiths at that time, although I imagine Islamic considers itself Eastern. I'm more thinking Asian Eastern. And um, significantly, there are many residual uh, uh, components that you do find uh, etched together in this unifying uh, visit that may have occurred. Uh, we have uh, mandala beads. Uh, we have uh, rosary beads. Uh, we have amen and we have om. Um, there are many, many similarities in faith. And I think the similarities for me, if I may say, and sometimes I say people say I intellectualize things too much. Uh, that's probably my security blanket, but also my security blanket was my mother who uh, basically made it clear to me that I could play with those kids, just not in front of grandma. So <laughs> you know, I was not doomed to hell. <laughs> I was not doomed to hell. And so I mean, I was appreciative of that because that kept me sane. I, she, that made that whole thing that I told you about made me a pretty scared little kid, uh, you know, because uh, I really, really wanted to please God. I could feel God in my heart, with my mind, my soul, always. And I think God is looking at our souls. He's not looking at the extra things like what color we are, what faith we are, how we are laying down to pray or standing up to pray or whatever we're doing. And um, and so that's our topic today, and we'd love to have you join us Uh and, Bob, with that said, I'm going to let you talk a little bit. I think I've done enough. <laughs> you know? Why don't we do a little meditation to start out and uh, just kind of center ourselves and, and invite the spirit, God, uh, Mother Earth, however you, however it is that anyone, whatever you call your God or your spirit, energy, love, and kind of let us all just relax and take in some breaths for a few moments and um, trying to turn on the music at the same time. There we go. So if we take and be in a comfortable position, however you meditate where you're comfortable, there's no set way to 
you sit down or even breathe. There's a lot of philosophies around those, but for me, it's whatever makes you feel comfortable. And that's just putting in air, breathe deeply into your lungs and fill your lungs up with air. And think, breathe in heat. And breathe out compassion. And release all of the air from your lungs, releasing all of the stale air, all of the things that have been inside you that you've been thinking of holding inside your heart and your body. Let those things go and be free from all negativity. Exhaling all negativity. And take in that deep breath again and full positive energy. Full in patience, patience, and peace. Patience and peace. As you pull in, as we finish pulling that air in, exhale that air. And as we exhale, and for the rest of the meditation, let's just do the mantra I don't fear my unique self. So let's take deep, calming breath. I don't fear my unique self. I don't fear my unique self. I don't fear my unique self. Breathing in positive energy, white light, feel that light radiating through your body. Feel yourself sitting up straighter. Feel yourself more energetic from the power of the universe and energy. I don't fear my unique self. I don't fear my unique self. I don't fear my unique self. Again, pulling that air up through your body, filling your lungs with full as you can get them, almost till you feel like you can't breathe, and then let all of that air out, let all of the air out. I don't fear my unique self. I don't fear my unique self. I don't fear my unique self. Namaste. I love uh, what you said, and I love the music at the back in the background. And I'll be still thy soul. That is one of the songs that was created for firing the grid. And uh, firing the grid. I don't know if the phenomena still goes on. I, it may go on into under different names at different times, but. Um, It's the idea that everyone around the world stop at a particular moment and uh, 
sit down in whatever meditative or prayer pose that you choose and we would link our thoughts together in in the name of peace and in and the name of love in the name of God and there were certain songs that were created uh, by a Swedish artist, Anil, uh, Be Still Thy Soul, as well as Heaven and Earth Spirits uh, Within Our Reach, that resonate to the tone. I believe, Bob, you may know the answer to this. I think it's G. There's a tone that is um, designed to be ideally echoes for every human being. And I think it may be I'm not sure. Perhaps that might be a topic we could do our uh, a program on. Uh, and I might even play my singing bowl. I'm just I'm teasing Bob. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's, do, let's do the singing bowl. It's, it's great in real life. Sometimes just over the over the air, it's, it sounds a little uh, different. <laughs> it does. In it fact, does. It's, I, it's, I think I've gotten one. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I would love to have one last. <laughs> and and with the with the firing of the grid, the first time I did it, the it was the first time these songs were being played with that. And uh I pulled my uh young grandson Donovan out of bed. It was when he, that summer that you had visited. And <laughs> so he sat there and we meditated for firing of the grid. You know, folks um i think that we i think that jonathan is a good example that we teach children um how to be and i know that there's a philosophy that you um and and that you can that if everyone were loving and peaceful then uh we would uh we would be that that's impossible that's probably the right word to put it. It's impossible for everyone to be loving and peaceful. And then we really can't train that. So Jonathan and I uh, did this firing the grid. And Jonathan right now is visiting in Japan. And um, every day he wears his mala beads. And he went to uh, a Buddhist uh, temple and asked for shelter. And uh, he gave it, they gave it to him. And uh, he is living in hostels, youth hostels. But what is interesting about it is the peace that's within him. And his his realization that uh, he is one with God. And he does it in his own way. And this is a, a kid who thought he was going to be a professional gamer and can play those war games like crazy. But when it comes to living his life, he's a gentle soul. And I think that some part of that is his willingness to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and join uh, Voice and Spirit with me in praying for peace. And I think that peace is a recognition that we are all loved by God and it is safe. 
But as long as some of us think that there's not enough God and there's not enough money and there's not enough of the things that one needs to survive, that creates scarcity. And the scarcity awakens in us emotions that are not godlike. No, scarcity incites violence. That's, yes. That's what scarcity scarcity does. That was actually my uh master's uh thesis, part of the title of my master's thesis. <laughs> Interestingly In enough. Politics. I don't think you ever I don't think you ever knew that. <laughs> no, so tell us about it. I did not. How amazing is that, Bob? If we didn't think we were connected before now, we know we are, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I I walked or I the the premise of my thesis was that that scarcity incites violence and using there there's a lot of cases around the world from from all times right but um, my my look at it was from an environmental standpoint that if we have environmental resources that are scarce then it, it can cause violence, and specifically in the Chiapas area of Mexico is what I, where I did my study at, and actually walked with the marched with the Zapatistas for two weeks on a bus from Chiapas to the to Mexico City, and the uh, the first then the first time indigenous person was ever on the in the in their in their uh, government recognized and able to speak in front of government. So it wow. was, and in their case, what it was is farmers coming in, taking land that was theirs and, and deforesting it to um, put in different crops or what have you. So that caused an uprising with the indigenous population there, which which brought on <clears throat> violence in uh, Chiapas at that point. So, absolutely, when there's scarcity, violence is violence is the first thing that uh, one of the first things that happens, right? When we look at that now. I mean, oil, oil. That's that's what that's all about. Is there's a perceived or you know real. Uh, threat that someday oil will be gone and we've created a whole a whole society dependent upon that. And and the next the next thing will be water. Oh yes. Yes. And 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 what really and what really uh underlying all of, there's so many things underlying both of those those issues that are uh we know we can create the technology to overcome those things, but we don't because of so many underlying political and and social reasons, right? And I think um, God, the universe, has given us the the intelligence to to know how to overcome those, but not allowing us, but our our own insecurities and fear. And uh, non-belief in, in in new things sometimes get in the way of progress, and I think that's unfortunate. I don't think that that uh, 
it's something that God would want us to do, right? Why would why would we get the idea? Why why do we know how to create and harness power from wind and sun and other resources and we don't do it to the to the fullest extent we can? <laughs> I, I do think that um I, I agree with you that, that we have that knowledge with regard to to energy sources. I think there are some things that we should not monkey around with, but this is once again a judgment. But I, I kind of leave the creation of life to God. But <laughs> beyond that, uh, you know, the rest of the things that we have knowledge on how to do, that we spend our money, uh, it's kind of interesting because, I mean, there really could be enough food to feed the world, but if there was, everyone was being fed, and um, then there would not probably be, there would definitely not be as much money in it. And and we define how much money people need to have or how much they think they need to have in such varying terms. And so, so many people believe that there are, a select group of people, what do they call it, the 1% of the population of the world that has most of the world's money. Well, then if that's true, in that if that is true, then that shows that 99% the rest of us have enough. I feel sorry for those who feel and define themselves by how much money they have. But if in fact 1% of the world has the majority of the money, then the rest of us are still here. There's enough. So shame on them for not realizing that they should be distributing, but would it change anything? Probably not, because most of what, how we spend our money is not related to, is is related to the ability to spend. So if all that money were spread out, and taken away from the 1%, which I think is what uh, uh, Lenin was talking about, if you would do that, um, you still would not have any greater buying power, which is what was shown in the Soviet Union. Because goods cost, there's kind of an economic theory, amongst human beings anyway, that goods spawn the amount of money that's available. So if you raise the the idea being that you're going to increase the wages for minimum wage, and uh, which I'm neither for nor against, because I realize that what will, what will happen, being old, having seen it happen now, is the cost of goods will go up. It's exactly. always kind of this, <laughs> and so the buying power will remain the same. <laughs> I mean, the person's life is not going to change. Hopefully, their rent or their house payments won't change. But other than that, you know, just their basic uh, other survival needs will go up, and their new their extra money will be lost in in this situation. So, I don't think that when we talk, there is enough. Um, that so many times it comes in on economic theories and people justify doing things such as you described in Mexico of taking advantage of uh, people and their land. It's power and it's harming other people. It's, It's taking away from them. It's not recognizing their intrinsic value. It's me non-harming recognizing value, seeing everyone as equal, 
making certain that a deal is fair. Not that you're going to make that person a millionaire, because like I said a moment ago, I think that's a pretty hard thing to accomplish in our society to increase their buying power. But, you know, I do think that what you can do is is treat them as your equal. Because I believe in my heart of hearts that God sees all of us as equal. Not more, not less. And if we could get that, if we could awaken a consciousness, a mem of thinking that we were all enough and we are all equal, we are all of equal value, and would start shaping our behavior in that way, we would be having a God-driven world. We would be moving on our journey, learning our lessons of love in, in a way that is nurturing and supportive and enduring. It would teach our children what love is about. And I have this manifestation in this six-foot-five boy you know, 22-year-old, that what we say and and how we react to them and if we nurture the egalitarian idea that you don't have to be better than someone else to be enough. Wow. I'm not even sure if I just rambled and made no sense, but I hope I did makes some sense because I strongly believe in um, keeping people. You know, you know, sometimes sometimes when I ramble and think I don't make sense, it might not be that I was making sense for myself, but I might have been making sense to someone else, or there was at least a point in what, what in a point in what someone said that that made you go, oh. Yeah, that makes sense in a, in context of something else that's going on in his or her journey at the moment. So, I, I think you know how how often do we actually can we? I don't know if it's just what if it's just the way we've been conditioned in our in the way that we uh, listen these days, but I don't think we. We all put 100% focus on what everyone's saying at any given time anyway. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're right. We hear what we need to hear out of what they're saying, yeah. Right. And sometimes we miss miss their point, but their point might not have been. (laughs) And I think that's what I've been learning this week is that it's not always my point that's the important one. It's Sometimes it's someone else's point of view or perspective or 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 wishes that 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 matter most because it affects them. It's not the world doesn't yeah. uh, always re- revolve around me. <laughs> me too, me too. I've had the same lesson. I I, I really have, and and I know um, we just don't have total um, control of things. I think. Um, for our listeners, if we can say, I, th- I hope it's apparent we don't write out scripts. <laughs> we 
yeah. we come in, you know, we talk a little bit about what it is that we want to talk about. And we've been doing this since October of 2007. That's a long time. And because we've been doing it for so long, now Bob got, took a hiatus for a while and, and I continued on for a while and then I took hiatus and the program wasn't even going at all. And I think that Bob said something yesterday to me that really encapsulates um, the process of doing a regular, consistent program is that if you go back to 2007 and you listen to our programs, some of them with us together, some of them with me alone, sometimes we had them every day, uh, a little meditation in the morning, sometimes uh, we uh, did Sundays I only. I mean, it's just a whole variety, a whole mishmash of programs. But what Bob said yesterday says it all. The words have already been thought of. They've been spoken. And you'll see in your looking since 2007 that we may title it differently, but we've been delivering the same message that when you're in the room alone, you are not alone. You are all one with God because God is with you everywhere. And that is a frightening <laughs> challenge. I mean, it's, that's exciting and scary <laughs> you know? because that means, uh, you know, when you are at your moment of your lowest humanity and are the least kind to another, guess who was there? God, and, the, the, energy, yeah. the energy, the energy within you that that uh, <laughs> that you can harness to do what what's right, or you can choose to harness it to do what's wrong, do something that's that's not right, or is wrong, or is perceived as wrong. Yes. Yes. Because let, trust me, after since um, we may not have new and exciting words, I kind of like our new format. It's a little less prairie, um, it's a little less pulpity because we definitely don't write everything out. But um, you know, no matter what words we say, the reality is that um, each of us share a common journey, uh, a journey home. You know, and some of us, Bob, I, I, I will let Bob speak for himself. For me, I grew up in a family where the concept of faith is knowing. There is no such, I don't have to have faith that there's a God. You know, I, um, I knew that from birth on. Uh, not because I kept a foot on the other side, uh, not because I didn't close that uh, that seamless uh, possibility, accept that seamless possibility and just act like I, I didn't know that God existed, but because I grew up with a healing grandfather, I saw God existing. And then if if I ever had a doubt, when my mom passed three years ago, she said to me, Margaret... Margaret, it's so beautiful. So with that heritage 
uh, faith is is absolute total knowledge, no doubt. Doesn't mean I'm always rising up to the occasion. I've said that before, but it's an absolute certainty that no matter what I do, I am loved by God and I am on a journey home. And so, Bob, how about you? How does faith, how does this all relate to you and your sense of um, where we're going? I don't know if that's a good question, but. I think. For, for me, having grown up with with uh, multiple religions around me from different uh, uh, family members, and some being very fundamentalist, and 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 others Catholic, and others Church of Christ, and those are all three very unique, different dogmas to follow. In in the way that their ceremonies are done, and 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 what, and the way that they they teach and preach, um, but having, but for me as as a gay person, there was a lot of time that I spent hating God because. That I was told that I was an abomination to God and that I was not loved and that I and I think it took a long time for me to come back to a realization that and, uh, that that there is a God or for me God is is energy and <clears throat> that there is that energy there and that we all have it within us and we're all made up of the same things fundamentally we may all express the energy in a different way. But I also look to science for things because I've always, even as a little kid, and maybe because I am diff- am in one of those quote-unquote different categories that society has created, that I always ask questions. And I think I always asked questions because I wanted to find out how, what could I do to make myself not, to make myself normal. And... So I, so I struggled with with having faith for for a long time, and, and sometimes I still do. I see things happen in this world and think, "Wow, this is just crazy that someone can just grab a gun and go in and shoot people up in a theater, where or that a child is born with their spine outside of their body, or you know things like that 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 make that make me question." And I think at the end of the day, there's 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 absolutely forces there, and 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 we have to accept that not everything is always going to be perfect, and 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 that. You have to have faith that things will move forward in, in society as a whole, as a as a species, as a as a universe. That everything is always evolving and getting better, and that the things that are and that maybe we need to see those bad things to adjust behaviors or to uh, create new technologies to uh, prevent bad things from happening. Yeah. So I think I just rambled on. <laughs> no, 
actually you didn't actually you I have I've been writing notes about things that I wanted to share in response to what you said and I I'd like to kind of start with with the I don't know there were so many things in there but um I think for me uh the reason you and I do this on Sunday mornings instead of you laying in the sun by your pool and me working. God, what a statement that is. Forgive me. <laughs> the work gives me <laughs> the work gives me such pleasure, huh? That's craziness. But I, I wanna make a difference where I am, you know, I really do. But putting I think the reason we do this is we're trying to ignite within people the realization that each one of us matter. And as long as we don't recognize that to adjust the way people are treated involves each of us engaging in trying to make a difference. Uh, and when we fail at, in our engagement, then starting over, remembering where we left our peace, remembering that God is with us always, and moving on and growing, that we wouldn't be doing this. That's that's really kind of our ultimate goal, so that so we can deal with things like, saying to someone anything that would imply to them that God finds them less than and forcing that person to spend time thinking, what do I need to do to be normal? Because somehow the implication is that if that person were normal, God would love them more. Folks, let me tell you, I have never doubted God exists a moment in my life and I have not lived a normal perfect life i have not but i know god loves me that song jesus loves me yes this i know because the bible tells me so little ones to him belong they are weak but he is strong yes god loves me Yes, god loves me yes god loves me I know it where, when, even if the Bible doesn't tell me so. That song resonated in me. I knew I was loved. God's love is not conditional. That part I know. And I know as surely as Schrodinger's cat lives and dies, for those of you who are physicists out there, both is alive and is dead, something Einstein recognized Science. I know as surely as I know that one can be both, that uh, that there is a divine force surrounding the universe, and perhaps I should say universes. And and if and we were given concrete examples, and we choose to bastardize those examples in the name of some sort of sect that has the right angle, that is the best, uh, that knows that God loves them more because after all, as we said last week, they seem to think there is not enough God. Because, and it is a pretty scary thought when we have two two issues defining what's enough. We have God and money. And money translates to power. I'm combining those two fingers on my hand. So I'm holding, oh, interestingly, if you put your 
if you put your ring finger now, if you if you are going to try this, because I just saw it and I couldn't even believe it. My gosh, Lord, my gosh. I went up and I raised one finger. It was my uh, pointer finger. And then I raised my middle finger to reflect the, um, or yeah, I raised my middle finger to reflect the fact that money, and then I joined it with my ring finger power. And look what your, the posture your hand is frozen in, folks. Peace. in order to overcome the belief that power and money are what are superior and that people are are better than others, we need to work on peace in ourselves and on peace in our relationships with other people so that we don't leave anyone wondering what they need to do to be loved by God. You know, we could all go through, and at some point I'm going to be crowning out and doing my uh, doing my big program, and during the height of all that I experienced as a child, not for one second did I feel alone and that God did not love me. I felt instead that man was making a very poor, self-centered decision. Now, that does not mean that I did not spend hours wondering what I could do to change what was happening, wondering what I could do to be someone different so that it didn't happen. Self-evaluating, being self-critical, just as Bob described. But it's interesting. I was wanting that to happen, to be rescued. Not because I didn't think God was with me, but I felt man was not paying attention. There is a difference. You you inspired all of this in me, Bob, so forgive my monologue. And um, the no, first thing a, that Bob... It's a totally different perspective from the way that I saw things because I looked at it as... Had I looked at it in that perspective and not I think I would have had more peace about it rather than thinking that, oh, man's right and 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 not having peace with that. Yes. I think when yes. when you're young, when you're young, you 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 tend to. I mean, there's a whole lot of other things that I could say about, um, you know, having growing up in an abusive household and where. Some of the abuse was was uh, backed up by the Bible, so to speak. Yes. Um, things like that. So, it, so the, it gets more. I think that's where the, these dogmas uh, and judgment or judging other people because they're not the same as you uh, sometimes gets uh, takes people away from believing. Yes, it does. And that they are loved, and that the, and that you, and in the end of the day, for me, we're all God. So it's it's you you loving yourself enough, or not even enough, just you loving yourself because you are God, and 
and it's unfortunate that as it said, there are some folks who who uh, love themselves more when they see others without. And yes. Yes. And if we all just realize that that's if we you can make that all go away, it would what a better place it would be, right? <laughs> then we'd all know that yes, God, yes, we are we are all God. I can remember my grandma if I would say, "Oh God." Should I say yes? Of course, I don't think she was saying, meaning, yes, I am God. What she was saying was, you don't use the Lord's name in vain. <laughs> yes. But yes. it always made me think, oh, so she's God, then we're all God. <laughs> and yes. I don't even think that she, she taught, I don't even think I really realized until just now when I said it that she taught me that lesson. And I don't know if she realized she taught me that lesson or but she was uh, always very close to her God, though. Sure. Well, Paul told the Corinthians, we are the body and the body is one. That's a pretty telling. People look for little bits and pieces from the Bible to define themselves as better and superior and and judgment kinds of things that, that God doesn't because uh, somebody a long time ago suggested something uh, they look for those as the defining moments in the Bible and they ignore words such as we are as a body and the body is one. In fact, that's what the word Catholic means. And universal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and the thing is, is, you know, Jesus told us uh, it's easy to love, uh, and, and I'm not trying to espouse one faith over another. Uh, I don't even know. I think I'm all faith. But uh, Jesus uh, said, you know, uh, love your enemies. It's easy to love your friends. It's easy to love your family. Love your enemies. That's the challenge, folks. I think the one thing that pa- that you brought to my mind too, Bob, uh, besides the Jesus love your enemies idea is that you looking for more in another than they are showing you or or accepting someone for who they are without needing them to be more than they are there's there's so many challenges to this but in i have been in multiple um christian churches uh i've also been in other uh temples and um synagogues but i find it, there is a common thread uh, amongst um, the Christian faith, and and it, it is this is sung, as it was in the beginning, it now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. How many people pay attention to those words, Bob? You know, I think a lot of times we get we get into, uh, especially we've only got a few seconds left here, but we yes. uh, get into uh, we stop listening to the words or analyzing the words, and things just become it just becomes a hum. Yes, <laughs> and maybe yes. not not with the with the right vibration. <laughs> yes, so it's Schrodinger's cat. That's what that one shows, and. Um, Listeners, thank you for joining us today. Um, 
I regret I didn't uh, get a chance to meditate too, but I think that the dialogue was more important. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh, I'm going to have a program title uh, for that. I don't. So look online. Uh, we'll let you know. Peace be with you. Uh, namaste, Bob. Namaste.